Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Unheard, I'm Freddie Sayers. So here at Unheard, we're always looking for new, interesting sources of information, things a little bit off the beaten track that might give us some advantage over what we're reading in the establishment media. Well, one area is, of course, the financial markets. Normally, I'm pretty dismissive of them. It's just another herd, another group, and we shouldn't pay too much attention. But recently, I've been paying a bit more attention to what financial analysts are saying mainly because in the past few months, they seem to conclude that Omicron was much less of a threat a long time before the establishment scientists and governments came to the same conclusion. They were already piling into opening up stocks and companies that would do well if Omicron wasn't bad way before Christmas, before people in politics seem to acknowledge that reality. So I think the record over the course of the pandemic is actually pretty good. And recently, a paper came across my desk by someone called Louis Gav, and he is a financial analyst, and he's a co-founder of GavCal, which is a financial services firm based in Hong Kong. And he's joining us to tell us about it. Hi, Louis. Hello, Freddie. Thanks a lot for having me. We saw a report that you wrote uh, focusing on vaccines and on the vaccine stocks that kind of leapt out as potentially interesting and showed how the world of finance is looking at what is happening in this sort of final stage of the pandemic slightly differently. You're focusing on the stock prices and the market capitalizations of the big pharma companies. And you, you've noticed basically that they come all the way down and they're nearly back where they started. That's exactly right. Well, thanks for having me. And first, from your lips to God's ears in terms of uh, this being the final stages of, uh, of this pandemic. Um, but yes, I mean, you, if you take a stock like Moderna, before Moderna announced its uh, its vaccines, um, it had roughly eight, $800 million in sales and it was a loss-making company, just as many biotech companies are, are loss-making. Um, the vaccines got rolled out. It's a big hit for them. Um, you know, a year later, their sales are, are $17 billion. Uh, they have more than $6 billion in profits. Um, so this is the home run to, to end all home run, right? I mean, if you were an investor in, in Moderna pre the release of the vaccine, you, yeah, you think you, you've obviously hit the bank. Um, and, and the stock, you know, does, does rally dramatically. But really, since this summer, it's now down 75% to basically the same level as you were back when you were an $800 million in sales company with, with, with losses. We've actually got a chart, Louis. Let, let me just put the chart up if we can, which shows the Moderna share price 
and the market cap at a couple of different points. So March 2020, before we have really cottoned on to the COVID-19, it's around a $9 billion company. That then obviously increases dramatically as investors are thinking they're going to produce these valuable vaccines. So before they announce the successful vaccine trial on November the 15th, 2020, it is worth $35 billion. And that rises to an eye-popping $195 billion in September of last year, which is the peak. And as you mentioned, it's been crashing pretty much since then. It's still not back to obviously pre-pandemic levels or even pre-announcement levels, but it's roughly back to sort of end of 2021 levels. Exactly. And I think if you look at, you know, today's $65 billion market cap valuation uh, and you look at, you know, the, the, the company's $6 billion in, uh, in profits, uh, so that's now a stock that's trading at 10 times earnings, um, which in today's markets, 10 times earnings is, uh, you know, it, it's given away in the street. Um, you, you wouldn't expect uh, uh, a name that's now become pretty much a household brand, right? I mean, everybody knows the name Moderna. They haven't. They don't need to spend any money doing PR. They don't need to spend any money doing advertising. Uh, they have, you know, these contracts with governments that are just going to spew money for the coming years. Um, you wouldn't expect that to trade at 10 times earnings, yet, yet here we are. So in other words, the financial world is looking at a stock like Moderna and concluding that its future is not as bright as all that. Yeah, now, now arguably you could say, well, that's what happens to sort of, you know, one product companies, right? Um, and if, if, to your point, we are reaching the, um, the end of the pandemic, then indeed, you know, maybe, you know, the need to go out and get vaccinated every six months uh, won't won't be there anymore, and therefore Moderna will will perhaps have to to reinvent itself. And I'll add just one more thing: is the the rollover started really hard even before Omicron. You know, if if we look at Omicron, the the hope is that indeed it's much more contagious, but far less deadly. So it's basically our path out of the pandemic, right? Basically, everybody gets it, uh, builds natural immunity, and and we move on. The interesting thing about about the vaccines is. They really stopped uh, collapsing. Uh, they really st uh, stopped rising and started collapsing really in the summer. Uh, maybe, you know, the markets were starting to realize these markets, uh, these sorry, these vaccines aren't quite as efficient as uh, as we hoped they would be. Let's dig into that because that is the kind of interesting story here, and it, it, you, we've got to be very careful around this topic because it becomes very sensitive. But. The thesis of your paper, which is the one I read, was that the markets have basically taken a look at the efficacy of these vaccines and are unimpressed, underwhelmed. Well, so, yeah, so I think first we have to distinguish efficacy and efficiency. Efficacy is um, um, determined by randomized health trials um, run by healthcare companies. Efficiency is what you observe in the real world. Uh, now, when it comes to the efficacy, Unfortunately, we'll never really know since uh, the trials that were done, as soon as they were finished, as soon as the drugs were approved, everybody got the vaccine anyway. So uh, all we have to go on is, is efficiency. Well, and I'm just going to, I hate to interrupt, but I just yeah. got to interject there, which is that actually the, the efficacy is already an important part of this story, isn't it? Because when the vaccines were first announced in November 2020, 
we had this very quick succession suite of announcements from Pfizer and then Moderna and then the Russian vaccine. And all of them miraculously were 95% effective. It was like, whoa, that is that, that's amazing. All three companies have 95% efficacy. And efficacy is defined as not getting the disease. That's what, that's what it means. They wouldn't have got FDA approval for any efficacy number under 50%. That was the, the standard that had been set already by the FDA. But now, studies that have come out even in the last month or so, including by Professor Neil Ferguson of Imperial College, are saying that for one or two of these mRNA vaccines against Omicron, we are dramatically under 50% efficacy. Estimates range from 30%, occasionally people say 40%. Some people say single digits percentage of efficacy. So, you know, efficacy on its own is not what was originally promised. In fact, dramatically far from it. And which might explain this, this the drop in the share price. You know, Oakham's razor um, would t- tend to tell us, you know, there's, we were prom- the company promises something on the product and that something doesn't quite deliver, uh, then the share price rolls over. It's, it's, it's not an uncommon tale in financial markets uh, to have, you know, managements over promise and under deliver. And usually what happens when managements do this, when they over promise and under deliver is you end up with, you end up with shifting goalposts. Um, you end up, you know, management saying, okay, well, we promised this, but we didn't deliver this. So we'll deliver that instead. And that is, just as good, which, you know, is, I think, sort of where we are today, right, when it comes to these vaccines. To your point, when they came out, we were promised, you know, go get vaccinated and you won't get sick. Uh, so, you know, we all did it. We all, we all went to, to get vaccinated. Um, and then we still got sick. And so then it became go get vaccinated and you won't spread the disease. But as you point out, you know, everybody got Omicron. I got it. I assume a bunch of people in your office got it because everybody I know got it. Um, and now, of course, um, I think, you know, the, the red trick coming from the vaccine companies is, but it's, it, yes, everybody still got sick and everybody still spread it around, but uh, nobody dies anymore. So it, uh, it, it reduces the, uh, the effects of, of the disease uh, dramatically, which is, which is where we are uh, today basically saying, look, if we look at the people coming into hospital between those who are vaccinated and those who aren't vaccinated, the people who are vaccinated are ending up with much better outcomes than the people who aren't uh, vaccinated. Um, I think there's an inherent problem with that argument, though. Uh, And the problem with that argument is these are not randomized trials. These are um, self-selected, self-selecting groups. Uh, You're sort of comparing apples and oranges. I'll give you a quick example. Um, you know, I live, I live in Canada and in Canada, you know, 90% of the people are vaccinated and the very vast majority, well, out of that 10%, um, uh, that aren't vaccinated, you find really two main groups. Uh, the first group is the first nations, the, the Aboriginal people of, of, uh, of Canada who are, um, very vaccine reluctant. Uh, so that, that's one group that's, and I understand that in Britain, a lot of minorities are also um, vaccine reluctant. So that's that's one group. The other group of people who aren't vaccinated are very often people who are very sick and therefore can't take the hit of getting vaccinated or getting a booster. It's people who are, you know, 
or in care homes and towards the end of their lives. Um, and this is an issue you see with the flu vaccine all the time. This is an issue um, that, you know, you go to a care home, very weak people don't get the flu vaccine and uh, strong people do. So inherently you're comparing apples and oranges, right? Because uh, you know that um, yeah, it's, it's a very sad thing, but in most countries, poorer people tend to have worse health health, worse health outcomes. Um, and that's, that's just unfortunately a, a reality that maybe they don't go to the doctor as much. Maybe they don't have as good lifestyle choices. Maybe they don't eat as well uh, for a whole host of reasons. Um, while rich people tend to have much better health outcomes. So when you look at most countries, rich people have taken the vaccines and poor people typically haven't. Um, and and the more marginalized the more marginalized the population, the less it's taken the vaccines. And so you're comparing health outcomes between marginalized populations and between non-marginalized populations. So, so your, your sense is, you know, you're looking at this with the kind of analyst brain um, as you would look at any other product. And you think that maybe the goalposts might be shifting again. And even some of the claims that are made today about the vaccines may not necessarily stand up in forthcoming months or years and somehow that might explain why the share prices are down so much i think there's that and i think if we look through the vaccinated versus unvaccinated data in wealthy countries you're looking at flawed samples to begin with so it's better to look at overall country data so you can take a country like it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
Israel, where everybody's had their third booster and all the over 60s have had their fourth booster, you can look at the, the results of Israel against, say, a country like South Africa. Uh, South Africa, who was the first with Omicron, where Omicron spread widely and where um, and where only 30% of the, the population got just one dose. So I think we've got some charts here as well, Louis, because this was on your paper that I saw, this this country comparison, and it did seem interesting. So let's, let's have a look at uh, the first chart on that. Exactly. So this is, uh, you know, Israel is a fairly fully vaccinated country by this point. Uh, South Africa is, is, is pretty far from it, which, which again goes to the same um, dichotomies we have internally within our own countries, right, with sort of richer people typically vaccinated and, and poorer people typically not, which is what you have in the world. Poorer nations are not vaccinated, richer, richer nations are. So looking at this chart, you would expect Israel to have a much better outcome with Omicron than South Africa, right? Because if the vaccines work, uh, well, if they work as promised, Israel should be crushing South Africa's numbers. Um, What's very odd is that this isn't happening. If you look at hospitalizations, which is your your bottom chart, um, and uh, red is Israel, blue is South Africa, you find that for some reason, it, although Israel's all, all fully vaccinated and boosted, et cetera, hospitalizations in Israel today are twice what they were last winter, when in South Africa were much lower than, than last winter. This is odd, right? This, this goes against the narrative that, um, you know, that basically vaccines are, are dramatically helping, organize, uh, helping hospitalizations. So, I mean, I'm just going to come up with a couple of potential critiques of this, if I could. So... The first, which is what everyone will say, I think, initially, is that the demographics are different uh, and that South Africa has a much younger population than Israel. I would expect that to be true. Um, can't that explain the difference? It definitely can. Uh, but you're still left with, you know, South Africa's population and Israel's population demographic makeup have not dramatically changed in the past 18 months. Right. It's roughly the same. It was 18 months ago. So Israel didn't all of a sudden get massively old in just 18 months. So why is Israel having twice as much hospitalization as a year ago? Okay. well, here's my theory number two, then, Louis. (laughs) What about Israel's testing is much more assiduous than South Africa? um, And therefore, they test everyone coming into hospital. And if they're in hospital for anything with COVID, pretty much everybody seems to have COVID at the moment in a country like Israel, um, they go down as a COVID admissions. Maybe that is what explains the big red spike at the end of the Israel one, that it's actually a kind of overzealousness with testing. That's that's very, very possible. So if you looked at that first chart, indeed, you see, you see um, testing go absolutely, you see cases go through the roof in, uh, in Israel. So I do believe indeed that one of the problems, well, no, in the West, we do test massively and all the time. So we are going to end up with more cases. You, the more you test, the more cases you get. There, there's, there's no doubt, which is why cases is a, is a poor measure to begin with. Except that if you go to the death numbers, and here supposedly the death numbers are really people who die of COVID, not who died with COVID. Uh, I think initially in the first sort of wave of the pandemic, uh, health officials were pretty quick to put uh, died of COVID sticker on anybody who died with COVID. But this is really abated now and, and the data is now better. And so if you look at the death numbers uh, and you compare Israel to South Africa, uh, again, Israel is making new highs in terms of people dying 
of COVID, uh, as we are here in Canada. Uh, you know, in Canada, we're 90% vaccinated. Um, we're back to record highs this winter of people dying of COVID. It's definitely true, I would say, uh, Louis, that if you zoom out, it's not easy to prove the case on a macro country by country comparison that the countries that are highly vaccinated are having better outcomes than the countries that are less vaccinated. I mean, there is all sorts of potential confounding variables and people can argue about it to the kind of cows come home. But if it was that simple, you would see more of a easy correlation. I think so. I think that's I think that's exactly right. And remember, put yourself back in December when Omicron came out. Do you remember the press? Uh, and we were we were being told that South Africa was going to be one big open morgue, that they wouldn't be able to, to burn the bodies fast enough. Um, and fast forward a couple months and it's been nothing of the sort. Uh, you know, South Africa has churned along and is completely fine, um, as as is India as is, you know, pretty much every, as is most of Africa, as is most of Latin America. Um, and by this, you know, by this point, the, 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 the disease has spread. The kind of relative lack of stellar performance by these vaccines is ironically good news I think in terms news. of an economy like China because, or the effect it has on the wider economy, because it means that it's much harder to make the case to stay shut down. It's much harder to prosecute these kind of more extreme policies if it's becoming pretty obvious that the effect is more marginal. Exactly. I think it's great news, in fact, for all emerging markets. To the extent that vaccines are no longer going to make create this big difference between the haves and the have-nots in terms of vaccines, um, I think it has to be good news. So if we kind of zoom out a bit, one thing that interests me is that a lot of people who are skeptical or questioning about the whole COVID experience Ask questions about big pharma, companies precisely like Moderna. We've seen the enormous lift to the share price that happened because of the pandemic. And they think in some way uh, is big pharma kind of benefiting from this. The story you're telling is that they're not. So actually, in a way, this is a reassuring piece of information because it seems like if, if big pharma is somehow manipulating this whole thing for profiteering motives, they're not doing a very good job of it because the share prices <laughs> are crashing. So, no, look, they have benefited. Um, again, Moderna was a company making what uh, massive losses on 800 million of sales two two years ago. Uh, it's now making six or seven billion dollars a year. So, you know, that's proper money, right? Um, and if you're if you're the Moderna CEO, this has given you opportunities to to sell stocks along the way uh, at a much higher price. And, you know, I'm not begrudging it. But do you think that's fair, Louis? I mean, because we're getting to this sort of uh, a story there, which is that these kind of big pharma executives were selling on the way up, uh, knowing that these vaccines would be disappointing and are kind of out already. But I think there was a big kind of conspiracy story about the Moderna CEO that was doing the rounds on social media on the weekend that he had deleted his Twitter account and he had sold a bunch of shares and everyone thought, right, this is proof of some malfeasance. But I think looking into it, it looks like he sold, I mean, $1.8 million or something, not very much in his terms, uh, which was a pre-scheduled share sale across a two-year period. It doesn't quite stack up, does it, that they've kind of sold out and run away? Yeah, no, which is what, which is, you know, whenever you look at executive sales, that that's what you find always, you know, it's, 
for the past 10 years, people have been saying, oh, you know, Facebook is going to crash because, you know, Mark Zuckerberg is selling shares. And, you know, he's just been selling shares along the way. Um, I think the only executive that has really never sold any of his shares is Jeff Bezos at Amazon. Um, you know, most almost all CEOs sell sell shares along the way. You may want to see how much of their shares they sell. But, you know, from, from one transaction, you can only infer so much. So there was a sort of overenthusiasm, you might say, a, a kind of... Um rushed to buy the latest product because it was going to solve all of our problems. And the story, at the very least, we can say for certain has been less impressive than initially promised. I think you had, on the one hand, uh, you know, panicked policymakers uh, who were willing to throw anything at anything to to get out of the situation that they put themselves in with with lockdowns and and suspensions of age-old liberties and and all the things that that they did for years um they were looking at anything for that and so when somebody comes in and says hey i, I have a solution for that but uh you know it, you know you a i need to you need to write me a big check and b you, you need to suspend all the usual rules you have in terms of approving drugs i.e you know the five-year studies the the efficacy random randomized uh, trials um you know all, all these things that we've put in place over decades uh, uh through really trial and error right and figuring out how to um we suspended it all it's like, oh, you have a vaccine, boom, let's, let's rush that in and throw it out there. Let me ask you one final question, if I could, Louis, which is the kind of what you referred to at the start, this idea that we would be on a regimen of three monthly or six monthly booster shots for all eternity in order to be given our passports back or enabled to function in society. The deduction from what you said and what the financial markets seem to be saying about these stocks is that that's no longer going to happen because you know, six months ago, at the high point of the Moderna share price, it did look like that. It looked like maybe this was the new normal. We were just all going to be constantly vaccinated. Should we conclude, you're going to accuse me of searching for more good news here, but should we conclude that that's no longer a realistic future? Uh, absolutely. And I think we're getting there. Look, uh, you have the chance of living in England. England's already there. The U.S. is already there. Switzerland, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, more and more countries are, are moving to, towards that, towards abandoning vaccine passports, towards uh, abandoning vaccine mandates uh, and just, you know, basically getting on with life. Uh, this is true uh, pretty much, uh, uh, you know, this is becoming true in more and more countries. I think that's what the truckers movement in Canada here is about, um, you know, people looking looking at the U.S., people looking at, at England and saying, well, hold on. If it's like this over there, why isn't it like like this here? Why are we still mandated to to you know take our shots every three to six months when nobody else is? I said it was my final question. I've got one more, which sure. is just to turn the page a bit. The markets pretty much crashed today. There has been a big slide on the basis of fears of war in Eastern Europe or the Russians invading in Ukraine. Um, what's your take on that? When, what are, what do you think the markets are factoring in? I think we'll see Godot before in uh, Kiev before we see any Russian troops. Um, you know, the whole hype is that there's 130,000 Russian troops uh, at the border. Ukraine is a very big country. I think it would take a lot more than 130,000 troops to uh, to invade Ukraine. Louis Gav, thank you so much. Thank you very much. That was Louis Gav, the founding partner of GavCal, a financial services and analysis firm. 
His view of the pandemic and the efficiency and efficacy of vaccines was quite optimistic in a way at the end because he concludes that this huge dividing line, this obsession with vaccines that has been dominating all of our lives for at least a year, will inevitably fade away because the cold reality of their performance consistently underwhelms compared to the original promise. So we shall see if he's right, but it was always interesting to hear a different perspective. Thanks to him and thanks to you for tuning in. This was Unheard. 